Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 97, and it's titled Masculinity in 2020 and Beyond. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. We have a great guest today, and I think that this is really something that it's a conversation that needs to happen because there is so much sort of bad information, misinformation, pressure on men today that I think we really, 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 really need to have a good conversation and kind of clear the air on this subject a little bit. So I believe it's going to be explosive and controversial. So get ready to redefine your masculinity. Oh yeah, it's probably going to piss some people off. (laughs) Warning, warning. Anyway, uh, before we get started, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, and you can find more about it at powerandmastery.com. So today we have a very special guest, Mark Edward David. Davis, I'm butchering your name. Sorry about this. Mark Edward Davis. There we go. I'm super excited. We've been on his show a couple of years ago, I think. And every time we get together, we could talk for hours. So um, I'm just really excited to be diving into this. But let me tell you more about Mark Edward Davis. So before writing How to Lead in Crisis, Forming Abundance International Building, two seven-figure companies, appearing on the Today Show or speaking to groups, Mark experienced many challenges that shaped him. He was bullied for years of his childhood. As an adult, he saw a spouse pass away, economy collapse in 2008, and experienced depression. Wow. Through those experiences and more, he developed a calm conviction that love is all that matters. How we touch each other is our legacy. So today, Mark is a thought leader in the men's coaching business. He's hosted a weekly broadcast on personal development for men since 2011 and founded the Ambassadors of Hope Men's Conference. In 2006, he formed Abundance International Inc. It's a 501c3 nonprofit corporation bringing life-giving aid to orphans in Ukraine. What's really awesome about Mark is that he lives part of the year in Las Vegas, uh, in Ukraine, and Mexico. So he's like all over the place. He's he's elated in love and the proud father of four. Wow, that's quite a bio here, Mark. So welcome to the Love Lab, Mark. Hey, thanks. Uh, live large, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, when I was reading this, and and uh, when I put it into the show note, I was like, "Wow, man, you've gone through so many things." And I'm sure that many of yeah. our listeners um, can relate to that because even though we are happy in life, we all have gone through hardships. And um, I think that also for men, it will resonate a lot because I do believe that a lot of the events in our life do shape the men and how they show up. So I think you've got so much experience to bring into uh, this conversation today. Thanks. Oh, I appreciate it. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me where you want to go. I'm, I'm, I'm excited now. You got me fired up. Okay. I want to meet this guy. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of questions and the first one is kind of a 
big one, and we don't need this. We don't need to hang there on it too long. But I kind of just want to set a baseline. Mm-hmm. So the first question okay. is, how do you define what it means to be masculine? So let's kind of mm-hmm. just set like a level to start at, so people have mm-hmm. some idea of what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's uh, you know fundamental. And to me, it's I, I try to keep things simple. So all the concepts I teach are something anybody can grab. I truly believe the purpose of masculinity is so we can lend our strength to the world around us. So there's an assumption that you have strength. And so that's where obviously as men coaches, we we help guys overcome their pain and become strong again. But truly, the purpose of masculinity is just so we can lend our strength to the world around us. How's that for a simple and quick answer? I Great. love it. I love it. So I want to dive into kind of what has happened. In your opinion, how has mm-hmm. masculinity changed over the past decades? Because I know that if we look at movies and things like masculinity and the definition of it has changed. So how has it changed? Well, let's go back. Let's go back more than just a few decades. Let's go back a few centuries. You know, if you were to live in uh, three, four, five hundreds BC, you know, or AD or whatever, even even really up to just three hundred years ago, the before cell phones, before nine one one, before any kind of communication, you had to have a sense of ruggedness about you. For instance, not everybody was in a tight city. You know, some people were, you know, maybe not even shouting distance from a neighbor to be able to come and help them. So if somebody's in the house robbing, you think about little boys were all raised for self-defense. They had to. It was a survival mechanism. There was no choice. I don't care your personality type. I don't care your tall, short, muscular, whatever. You had to be able to be raised in a sense to defend yourself, defend your family. And so there was a, a different expectation on the male. And us as biological creatures as, as stronger and not only psychologically built for, for the fight, then um, we had uh, an expectation on us of being protector. Also, there was an expectation of being provider. And again, this is hated today that, that the fact <laughs> that there was ever a time when, when men would be considered to be the providers of the home. But uh, it absolutely was. And because most of the work done back in the day to create uh, income were done by hand. You had uh, smiths and toolsmen and um, all kinds of different things, physical work in the fields that even today are still dominated by men. And it's not that there, it's not that there's a bias against it. Women just don't volunteer to get into those, those kind of careers by their own choice. And that's their own choice. And so there was a sense of a pride where a man could look and say, this is my contribution. I did this. I, I, I produced this to, to be able to take care of my family, and I'm able to physically p- provide and protect them if need be. And so there is an inherent need for a masculine. There's a need for a man. And so it wasn't in question. There wasn't debated. It wasn't hated. It, women didn't hate men because they would, they would pull a sword to go defend the family. They'd be you know, glad they did. And even today, there's a core in it. You know, I remember the story just two years ago. I think it was in Santa Barbara where a gunman came into this country Western bar and started shooting people. And there was in, in one of the other rooms where there's a pool table, there's a bunch of the young men who just grabbed the women, put them underneath the pool table. And they literally shielded them with their backs, ready to take the bullets. And in a moment of distraction, in the other room, they started getting people out. I think they freed like 30 people out the, out the side window. And that's inherent in the man. We want to do that. We want to rise up when the building's burning, the men run in because that's in us. And there's a part of us I'll talk about later, I call our inner warriors, that when we're called to action, they rise up. And for a man, it's an, it's an exhilarating feeling. We feel alive. And today we have to find outlets for that in different ways. But 
even even further than that, we look at what happened during uh, world, the World Wars, World War One, World War Two. The men felt this this internal sense of nobility of character. We have to fight against wrong. You know, it was our founding fathers who says, um, you know, if um, uh, evil will pr- prevail if good men do nothing. And so there's a presumption that it's upon the good men to stand up and to go to fight against an evil, even if it means risking their own life. And so there's, there's a part of an expectation that during World War II, the women sacrificed too. Even if they were, they were home, not necessarily carrying a gun and trying to do all the rest of that, um, they were having to get jobs to support the family. They would take the kitchenware and boil it down to make metal for the airplanes. You know, they were trying to do everything they could to help support the war cause. There was, there was a unity. There was a, uh, without, without complaint, there was an effort that says we have an expectation, an obligation to defend what's, what's right in the world. And beginning in the 60s, there became an upheaval. And I blame the parenting in a way. And it's unfortunate. We have this, and still to this day, we have this mindset that we, that we had hardship and we want to make things easier on our children so they don't have to experience hardship. But it's the hardships that, that give us character. And under challenge and under, under crisis, we develop, we find out who we are. And so out of the 50s, uh, you know, when, when all the, the baby boomers, you know, happened in that time, all the, uh, pe- all the guys, soldiers came home from the war and all of a sudden, boom, babies were born. You know, they got back with the women. Oh, my God, women. So they had babies. Right. And uh, and so now they got this this generation of babies and they were determined these these pe- these couples, these young men and women who saw the Great Depression. They saw World War Two. They wanted to make sure they didn't have it for their kids. But the kids became softer. So in the 60s, softened kids began to. Um, then just find uh, rebellious outlets for everything because they could. They were given an easier an easier expectation on the world that it should be about them and catered to them and their world should be softer. And, and they saw things they didn't like. And so they began to tear down all this, all expectations of, of establishment, uh, whether it, it, it's authorities of any kind and uh, religious institutions and, and everything that had any form and structure, they just wanted to be free expressionists. And it opened up especially the advent of birth control. It opened up free, free love. It's like, let's just whoever to whatever and absolutely abandonment of anything that we, we call virtue. And, and so we end up with a, you know, a sort of like drifting codeless, anybody can be anything they are, whoever they are, whatever they want to be. And it's not served us. It just, it has not. And so over the time as this rebellious spirit in the culture has continued to manifest. It just keeps looking for more things to rebel against and to take down anything that would uh, resemble uh, any kind of structure of of any kind, even the barriers of what it is to be male, what it is to be female and um, all the rest of that goes along with it. We're going to get into that in a minute, but there's so many things in what you said. It's like, uh, do we have enough time? All right. So (laughs) let me, let me go back to just a couple of the points that you made there. Yeah. Um, so one of the, one of the things, like I agree with everything that you said, and one of the things that I always look at when it comes to the sort of roles of the man versus the woman, I've always seen it as like you said, we just as men want to do those things, and women just want to do the types of things they do. And so like Selena and I, the way we've always looked at it is we're a team, right? And with our team, we have people do the roles that are they're best suited for, right? So in other words, you know... Can she go out and cut down the the hedges, you know, like I did over the weekend? Yes, she could if she wanted to, but does she really want to? Does that make her happy? Is that the best use of her talent? No. And so 
but for me it is. And so we kind of laugh a lot on the weekends because it's like she'll be in the kitchen baking and I'll be out like with the chainsaw cutting trees down, you know, and we come back in and we laugh at each other. We're like, God, our roles are so stereotypical. But the thing is, all of these things need to be done. And so I actually enjoy going out there with a chainsaw. Could she do it? Yeah, but she doesn't really like to do it. Could I bake? Yeah, that's, that's not really my thing. I was like, slap this together, shove it in the oven, you know. <laughs> and you don't want to, and you don't want to poison her. So we understand right, that. Right. It's kind. So the point that I'm making here is, I feel like one of the reasons why those roles ended up the way they did over time is because we both tended to gravitate towards our strengths and the things mm-hmm. that we were good at and best at and enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. So that was one one point that I wanted to make. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and, and um, Jordan Peterson makes that case. I don't know if you if you followed. He did the followed the studies in in um, the Nordic countries. You know where they they're highly socialist and they're trying to be completely um, gender neutral to everything. And yet, you found even in those the the divisions between men and women and what they naturally chose to want to do for a living were even more diverse. You know, in the engineering fields, it was still eighty five percent men, and in the nursing fields, it was eighty five percent women by their own choice, and they had the choice to do what they wished to do. And so, I think that here's the thing we're having to do now. It's it's bizarre that we even have to have this conversation, <laughs> but people almost have to they almost have to bulk buck against this own culture just to do what they actually naturally want to do. And women are despised if they want to stay home and, and raise kids today. Mm-hmm. And that really, that's a shame because of what it does to the kids mm-hmm. and what it does to the women who just truly is, why is it wrong? Why should I feel shamed? Because I want to do these things. I want to nurture my children. I want to be there for them. I want to help them with their, their first years. And I, I want to cook. I want, and I want to watch, you know, as my man eats and it makes him happy It makes her glow inside. But we, we, we criminalize that because of the, the, perverse nature of this bent culture, which is trying to undermine everything that's ever existed to the point of ridiculousness. Oh, yes. And I want to dive into that a little bit more, but there's one more piece that you talked about earlier that I wanted to get to as well, which (laughs) is um, the piece you mentioned about people coming back from the war. Okay. Now they all get back with the women. There's this baby boom. And this generation basically Their intention, I feel, was good in the sense that what they really wanted to do was prevent their children from going through all the hardships that they went through. But in doing that, you've probably seen that meme, right? That bad times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, and the cycle goes around and around, right? Amen. And and so I think that's... That's pretty much kind of what you were implying is that, you know, here were these sort of tough men who went through multiple wars, uh, depressions, famines, all this stuff. When that's all over and settled, then they make kids and they go, you know what, I don't want you to ever have to go through all of that. So they raise them in a different way, but then they don't learn the same values, yeah, I heard a great one, and and again, I've raised four four, four kids. They're all out of the house, um, and they're they're happy on their own. I got uh, two of them are happily married with babies, and and uh, one of them got his doctorate in counseling psychology. The other one pursued his dream. He got a degree in video game design. God bless him, you know, mm-hmm. the young kid. But um, you know, I was not as strong enough with them growing up, and 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 it hurt them going into young adulthood. 
Um, and, you know, I had to go through my own curing of my nice guy syndromes, which was just plagued me for, for many, many years of my life, probably till I, you know, got into my forties and really self-evaluated based on where I was at that time in my life. And one quote I heard that I really think is just a hallmark for parenting of boys and girls is that you want to be, you want your kids to be able to say, you know, my dad was tough enough on me that the world is easy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's, that's the goal of any training, right? You want to do martial arts? What do you do in, in the gym? You want to be a football player? What do you do in practice? You practice harder in practice than you ever hope you'll have to do it in the real thing. That way, that no matter what comes at you in the real thing, you're prepared for it. Yeah. Yep. So well said. I'm going to chime in as the uh, one woman in this uh, discussion here. I'm a little quiet. <laughs> Please do. So um, one thing that I wanted to bring up was, you know, when you started describing the rugged man there, Mark, suddenly I was feeling really hot and very turned on through this whole conversation. And I was like, how interesting is that? Um, there is something I think in a lot of women's nature where we are utterly loving that masculinity, that raw masculine power, when we see it in its wild, pure form, not held back, it will fire us up and it really creates this um, attraction, this polarity. And a lot of women might say, hey, um, I'm not... I want a nice guy, or you know, I just want somebody who's who's nicer. Um, well, in reality, we want both. We want a man who can own his masculine power, own his own warrior, but also show up with his um, emotions as well. So, being able to be versed, and I think this is kind of where I would like to see where we can go next in terms of what it means to be masculine today, because I'm giving you what. I like as a woman, which is like, I think the more, one of the things that I got from being in a relationship with Kevin, he is really masculine and he does all these different martial art things and plays with swords and guns and different things like that. And the more I saw that in him and the more I would feel that he could protect me and he had all of this, the more I relaxed into my feminine. And actually I found this new place within myself. I discovered a whole new, um, way of being in with myself, with my own light and like just showing up even better. And so I know from my own perspective that what I want in a man is both. I want a man who can be rugged, who can protect me. I also want a man who can have understanding of emotions. I don't want him to be whiny or be my best friend in this way, but I want him to be versed in that. Or, or be the closed down stoic guy that doesn't share any emotion either. Absolutely. So right. that's what for me, the masculine is sexy. What about you? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be masculine today? All right. Now, I love this question because, you know, I do relationship work, you know, and in um, the, the last decade, we've helped create over 300 marriages with less than 3% divorce. We're really focused on, on, on helping make those things work. And so there, there are guys who really have made a science out of polarity. And you guys have too, and I really respect that. I want to hear more of that from you. I've observed it from more of a poetic standpoint. And, and so um, as bizarre as that sounds, uh, what I'd like to do to explain this is actually read a little poem that I wrote to explain the dynamics between men and women, if that's okay. Absolutely. Sure. And, and then we'll dive into this. Um, I called this the radiant passions. And this is a little bit of old 
English kind of writing style, but in its mythology, and I'll go into it in a second. I treasure, uh, the woman I treasure carries a static love in her eyes. She passes this way and every man turns his head in hopes of a stolen glance. The object of her gaze, even caught in passing, becomes less this world and more radiant and transcending. When the man hears her voice, sweet and true, the things of earth just lose their taste and dim. And when she smiles at him, even for an instant, there comes this feeling, a blissful sensation, granted to men by angels and oft materialized in the laughter of children. But from his chest grows a mysterious passion to serve, to find a quest, to stand on a champion's podium victorious. That radiant power, that glance, the voice, the smile, they demand a noble quest worthy of the passion within. And so this passion radiating from his core is more than ample for the quest. The wild man and his inner warriors engage in the fight. The golden ball is his rightful prize. Now the woman, gazing upon this conquering man, she finds herself overwhelmed by a new, glowing, radiating sense from within her breast. And she approaches that victor's podium and chooses this man as the object of her passion. A noble passion of its own, a golden ball now with her name inscribed. Then the woman, with ecstatic love in her eyes, passes this way in the arm of her champion. There's no... <laughs> pardon me, I kind of finish. I, I get, get excited this way. Uh -huh. so there's no logic of this earth to explain this miracle. Just splendid, radiant, amazing, mysterious, and new. It just is, has been, and will be for all times true. And what, what I love about the purity of this mythology is that you know there's a part where the woman captivates and and and, and gazes the man and, and and but draws him to want to do something for her and it's interesting because even at a world war ii you know the pilots always have a picture of their girl you know on the, on the dashboard you know or the guy the soldier in his pocket and there's something he wants to do for her he raises it up now what i love about this poem is that even though the man is raised up now to go find something and take on the world because whether it's um and we'll talk about various ways the inner warriors come alive but when you're in action you're doing something you have extra resources that come out of your man that don't happen sitting on a couch or behind a computer screen but you're in action there's something that draws you out to do something, to accomplish, to make something happen. You can do it for the woman, for a cause, for, you know, for a mission, a startup, whatever you're, you're involved in. But it's, it's that, that thing. And now he gets to stand on, on the podium as the champion. He got it. He got it done. Now, it's clear. I want to make a point on this because at that point, whether or not the woman picks him or not doesn't matter as much because he's done what he, his ambition called him to do. And he got up there and he made something happen. And the women can inspire but now it's up to the woman to like come back and say, I want this guy too. And, and so at that point, the two come together with this perfect sync of the two energies of the masculine and the feminine. And, and it's, to me, it's like what man wouldn't want that? What woman wouldn't want that? Women want to be on the arm of a champion. I quote in the book from uh, John Eldridge, who wrote the book Wild at Heart. It's, it's a really great expose on the masculine. And in it, he says, "Is three core desires of a woman's heart is one to be pursued. She wants to be pursued. She wants to know that, that she's more important than anything else. You set aside time to say, no, you. I, of all the women in the world, I want to get to know you. And she wants to feel that being pursued. The second thing, though, is she wants to feel like she becomes an indispensable part of his adventure. In a sense that because of her, he can do more. And without her, he couldn't have done it. She wants to feel that indispensable in him. 
Annie Lawless says the role of a woman is to um, is to be the trampoline for the man's dreams, and she'll fall in love as much with his dreams as with him. So when he's down, she says, "No, no, honey, this is your. We're going to do this together. This is your dream. I'm going to help you." And so there's a part where she wants to be that part to help him accomplish the thing he's called here on this earth to do. And the last part about it is the woman wants a place where where her, her beauty feels valued. And so she feels comfortable to reveal it to him. And I teach you guys in dating, there's your purpose is to, to warm her up. So, so the fragrance of her femininity blooms, but it, you have to, you have to create it with nurturing, you know, the, the warmth, the nutrients and the sunshine to give it a place where she wants to warm up and open up to you. And so the beauty of that, again, I'm not an expert on all the dynamics of the, you know, the male and female and the polarities and all that kind of stuff. But this picture sticks in my mind as something that I think it just works you know, and no matter how much women today want to rail against it, it just works. Women want a guy with ambition and they want to come along. And they want to be part of it. They want to support him to get it done. And the guy wants, I'm telling you, women, if I was talking to women in this audience, I'd say, women, I'm going to tell you something. You want to get a man who will never leave you? Two things. Treat it. Just tell him, I believe in you. You are my hero. You are my hero. And to be his safe place when he comes home wounded from the war. And that man will never leave you. All right, so Celine, yes, I agree with everything that Mark just said, but I want to hear what you think as a woman. Um, yeah, I agree one hundred percent. You know, uh, I would have only framed it differently in the three things as to be seen. When you were saying appreciated for her beauty, for me, I was like, oh, there's going to be one. It's going to have to be seen. So I already knew what the things were. What I love mm -hmm. about it is, okay, so you pursued, um, but also then once you're chosen, it's also that you you bring value. So it's actually being respected as a woman for your intuition and your ability to be connected and to support other people, to give birth to something greater and bigger, which is your men in that particular setting. And then, of course, the being seen, appreciated for the things that are less maybe important per se, but yet that matter a lot, like how we look and what we're wearing and all of these things. They're so, so, so important. Um, so, yeah, I would say 100% with that. Um, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it, but it starts with a woman too. Honestly, you know, the women's beauty, um, you know, uh, draws it, draws that out on a man. And mm -hmm. and it's like I, we don't apologize for that. You know, in the animal kingdom, there's the peacock and the peahen. One is more beautiful to attract the other. You know, the masculine or the male. And in, in, in terms of many, the animal kingdom, the male is the one who has the more beautiful. The lion has the mane. You know, and so to me, to for us to deny the fact that God gave us the female to be the attractive one of the species, we're no problem arguing that. We're going to surrender <laughs> that to you. Yes. You know, but that that's what captivates first our attention mm -hmm. and then for us to want to pursue back and then and then allow that energy to stimulate us to accomplish in this world is a great source mm -hmm. for um, masculine energy and power to then accomplish and achieve. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to say that one of the elements you brought into, and that's something that I teach a lot to the women I work with um, in my program, Irresistible Women too, is like, you're my hero. Like that place mm -hmm. of giving that for a man. And it's not about manipulation because a lot of women think, oh, I have to, um, to put on makeup or do this or do that and I'm like no it's actually about being 100% yourself and just seeing him as this as this hero as this like spectacular man that he is and he'll never want to go anywhere else you know yeah. <laughs> you know I think I think if I could maybe sum all that up for the listeners really what it comes down to is that the two of you together one being feminine one being masculine literally help each other rise together. Mm -hmm. That combination mm -hmm. of those two forces 
are really, mm-hmm. it, they, it co-lifts people up together at the same time. It's not one over the other. Or this one's mm-hmm. only supporting It's true. That. Yeah. Now, in the, in the poem, I use the, the term, uh, the golden ball. That's a Greek mythology thing for it means total fulfillment. You found your, you found fulfillment, you found your thing. And, um, you know, and so both found their place of, of fulfillment within that role and they're satisfied deeply. Mm-hmm. Let's let's jump to the ad, and then I, I want to get to this question here. All right. All right. So <laughs> we have an invitation for all of you listening. If you are longing for deeper levels of sexuality, coupled with emotional intimacy, spirituality, and just true connection, then our Sexual Power and Passion VIP program is for you. This next level intimacy coaching for modern couples is designed to help you bring the passion back between the sheets and beyond. This 90-day program is truly for the couple that does not want to live a life of average and wants to be synced up sexually so that they can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. And you can find more about this at celineremy.com forward slash passion. And this is everything that we've been talking about so far is within that program too, the masculinity, femininity, and all of this. So Kevin, I know you have a very important question now for Mark. Go for it. They're all very important. (laughs) (laughs) We've got more. We've got more. (laughs) Okay. So we've, we've covered some ground. We've talked about, you know, what it is to be masculine, what it looked like in the past, kind of what it looks like now. We talked about the interaction with the feminine. What I want to get into now is maybe what's considered um, more of the controversial stuff, which is one of the things that we notice is that there is a lot of pressure on men these days to not be masculine. And so what I wanted to ask you is, one, whether or not you see the same thing and what mm-hmm. your take on that is. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's uh, one of the books I think is very interesting is a, as a journalist... Um, named Guy Garcia wrote, geez, a while ago, at least 10 years ago now, wrote a book called The Decline the Decline of Men. And he did it from a statistical standpoint, which is very interesting. He took it from the Madison Avenue stats. He started looking at, you know, who's controlling the influence in America. And he's talking about, uh, you know, how the buying power is 65 or more percent. Women control all buying influences in the country. And therefore, uh, Madison Avenue spends all of their uh, dollars to try to get more of the women to buy, which means often they make men look stupid because I don't know whatever it builds up women, and and so there's there's no doubt that that has now gone to a whole nother level. Where um, and by the way, the end of that book, which I love, he says basically, yeah, it sucks. Yes, you're going to be put down, but just be a man anyway. I mean, you, mm. you don't have, who you know who cares, right? You should, you should just learn to be a man anyway. So suck it up. Buttercup, because it ain't going to be in your favor. Uh, the world's not going to be your friend, and uh, you still have to be a man anyway. You have no choice on that. But it's gone to another level where there's almost a war, um, and especially this last year was so devastating uh, to me to see. Really, I felt betrayed in many ways that the last holdouts we thought would be our friend, you know, Gillette does that incredibly stupid, demeaning, belittling ad in support of the Me Too movement. And I found out they had a feminist woman uh, direct it. It's like, why would they do that? Why would Gillette try to market to their men by belittling them and hiring a woman who hated men to write a commercial for them? And then they one-upped it by their next commercial was a transgender doing with his with dad doing his first shave now as a man instead of a woman. It was like unbelievable 
unbelievable the insult that that it had to their audience. And then it went beyond that with with other things that took place, the Me Too movement. Um, and this has been going on for a while, though. Even before that, you go all the way back to the uh, 90s, I guess it was. There was this big push to have to have men go through a gender sensitivity class to get a degree, which basically belittles men, blames them for all the ills in the world, and uh, says they're all uh, perverts, perpetrators, um, criminals, and violence, and, and they need to repent of it if you want to get a good grade and get your degree. You know, and so to me, the, the entire assault on men is completely insulting and insulting to history and insulting to the character of who we are. I had, there was one woman who wrote this uh, great piece. She goes, women, who, who are we today to do this to our men? You know, we have it easy today. So those who went out and blazed the trails, you know, the, uh, the guys who, who, who came in here and, and uh, you know, create, built our cities, the architects and the ones who built our safe McHouses. Now we get to, to rail at them you know, because they've given us everything we need. And there's a dismissive aspect of forgetting who we have been through all of history in order to create civilization, to be the ones to take the arrows. And truly, there's more. If you understand the nature of men, we're almost the disposable half of the species to protect our women. It's almost like the, the, you know, the bees feeding and protecting the queen bee. We're the ones who go to war. We're the ones who do the labor. We die earlier. There's more suicides. The, the incredible burden there is on men to, to you know, forge societies and do the heavy lifting. And, and then now we have an age where the women are saying, you know, we resent you. And, and, and of course, if you, they, they blame this thing about, um, you know, wage inequality. But if you break it down, the women don't want the jobs that, that you know, that, that in these different places. So it's, it's always by choice. And so to me, the whole thing about men is they feel like they're not appreciated. So if they're not going to be appreciated, if nobody's going to say you're my hero, in fact, you're my enemy, then then you get a lot of these MGTOW guys who pop up and say, well, screw you all. I don't need this. I don't need women. I'm not gay, but I don't need women. I just don't need this. I don't need pressure. I don't need society. Heck with all of you. And they, they abandon. And I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I, I did a whole thing on the, on the MGTOW movement, very kind to them. I said, look, if that's your choice to be single, God bless you. But if you're doing it out of bitterness, you know, you need to get healed. And I, I absolutely attacked. That is a very, <laughs> MGTOW group are very militant. But it hurts me deeply because men today are um, have become, uh, well, as Robert Bly said in his book, um, Iron John, nearly, what, 25 years ago now, he says, you know, the, the men have become soft males. And, and he says, ironically, he says, you know, they're kind to the earth. They're not wanting to cause wars. You know, they're nice people, but they're generally not happy. And there's certainly uh, nothing robust within them. And ironically, they tend to marry strong women, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today it's like, you know, there's the, the, the truth is, you know, we have more than a 50 percent divorce rate, but those still married, most of them aren't even happy. So it's just not working. You know, it's just not working. So, so this begs the question. Why is this occurring in society? Why is this pressure being put on men to be less masculine? Is there is there some sort of agenda behind that? Obviously, I have my own thoughts on that one. But of course. but but what do you think is happening in society that's putting this pressure on men? There's um, a political correctness, which um, I, you know I, I like what uh, Ben Carson described as political correctness. You know, it's 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 basically a manipulation. It's behavior manipulation. And it silences anybody who poses the different opinions. Uh, I believe there's a part of the culture that just wants control of people. 
And so the men are the strongest part of the culture. And so if you can silence them, then those in power can even have more power. Um, there's an agenda from the Gloria Steinem movement, you know, where, you know, women can do everything men can plus have babies. And so there's, and then it went past that to, to demonization, criminalization of men as a species. There's an agenda in all of it. And it always has to do with power and, um, and control up and down. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's really all about that. Well, yeah, that's, that's basically exactly what I would say. It's about control. It's about mm -hmm. taking out the strongest uh, resistance in a particular culture so that you can manipulate their, their, uh, their behavior. Absolutely. So we, we're getting close to the end of our show, and I always love to end on positive notes here. And mm -hmm. so what are some of the um, tips that you have for the men listening in developing their masculinity mm -hmm. and like what it means, right? Because the title yeah. is Masculine 2020 and Beyond. So yeah. let's give them some yeah. tools yeah. right now. What do men All do right. now? <laughs> All right. Well, you know, this is, this is really the bulk of the content. This is where my heart is and what I want to share with you guys. And first of all, I just published a book about three weeks ago. It came out called How to Lead in Crisis. And it's about uh, teaching you how to be the calm in the storm, how to be the voice of reason, and how to lead into the future. And so for men, you have to find something that brings your inner warriors to life. I mean, when I counsel guys, a third of them are coming in just going, I just want to feel alive again. I want to find my purpose. They're all looking for their purpose because we don't have to, you know, pull a sword to defend our families. We don't even have to provide. Women can make as much money. And now we're belittled. So it's like, why am I here? And so you have to find activities that are, gonna, that are going to make you come alive. It has to do with action, not being behind a computer screen. And so get out. And guys can find that in a number of ways. Um, and so you have to continue to push and trod and find ways that that's, that's going to happen. In fact, I just talked to my editor tonight. I'll have my book, A Man's Purpose, out middle of next month. So pursuit of your purpose is, is critical. And so you have to, first of all, understand that you're not going to get it in an idle setting. You have to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to try new things that are going to test you and stretch you and grow you. And, and in doing so, you're going to have nervous energy. God bless it. Don't ever go a day where you don't feel like you're, you're, you're crawling into something bigger than you are. And you're going to have to stretch yourself to grow and learn. I remember when I was, um, oh, Jesus was a while ago now, I guess 25 years ago. Um, I had previously spent my life just as a cubicle guy. I'd probably never made more than 45,000 years in my life. I had a sales job and, uh, but I, I married this young attorney and she started private practice. And then we, we became expectant with her first and we were all excited. And I said, Oh my God, I got eight months to double my income or we're screwed. We're going to lose the house. And, and there's no way based on my experience or knowledge or anything, I could do it. So I went like crazy and I started studying personal development stuff. I was listening to everything I could get three and a half hours a day, everywhere I was driving, I was trying to learn about leadership, about something and asking people, how do I do this? I, I, I can never make this my job. I tried business ideas and my dad hooked me up with a venture capitalist. So he gave me my chance to make a pitch for a business idea. And I failed miserably, but I had done enough research and had enough energy that one of the guys in that meeting said, I, I like you. I want to offer you a job. I'll start you at 10,000 a month. And, you know, it was in that, that I realized that one, I came alive in the pursuit as much as it scared me to death. And I was out of my realm, the growth I did by trying to reach for something beyond me, helped me become that next person. And I, I earned the right to make that kind of money because I grew to become that kind of person. And so there's a part where we have to be stretched and there's still a way to do it today. In this culture today, you've got to find ways to, to try new things. If you haven't found it, try something else. Keep pursuing that to find that perfect harmony between things you love to do 
things that match your skill sets. And if you know what your skill sets are, ask the people around you, what am I good at? They'll tell you. People can see sometimes we're blind to it, right? So you match what you love to do with your true skill sets and things that are that are being rewarded, that are benefiting people, that like actually are contributing good. And I, and I say that one of the things we're men that we're called to be is creators. We are, we are made in the image of our creator. We are to create. Creativity can come in so many different forms. We have to have something new birthed out of us. You know, whether it's a book, a new business, music, whatever it is, we have to be in a creative space. So what you have to do is unplug from everything else and focus on the things you can do and trying new things and stretching yourself and get in a better circle. Have some people in your circle of friends who are bigger than you, better than you, and stretch you to want to be around them, learn how they think. And at the end of the day, I'll just quote something from Vince Lombardi. He said, you know, when you're winning, nothing hurts. But when you're losing, everything hurts. And so part of it is when you're in momentum of growing and trying something new, you unleash the inner warriors. This is where guys, when they do business plans, are sitting behind a computer doing this, going, I don't know, it's bigger than me, I can't do it. Well, there's no, there's no use for your inner warriors to come alive sitting behind a computer screen. But as soon as you engage the first step, you make the first $500 investment, I've got to go get this thing, I've got to, I've got to try something. And, and you make the calls. Now, all of a sudden, you become nervous and you're in your warriors, we're going to do this. And if you haven't had that happen yet, and because you've lulled your warriors to sleep, what I suggest is a very simple practice. Every morning when you get up, uh, do these four things I'm going to tell you about real quick. One, um, do a gratitude journal, because what you're grateful for, you attract more in your life. List three things you're just thankful for. Second thing is do three micro visualizations. And by that is think about what you're going to do during your day, whether it's meeting with a friend, doing a business presentation or whatever, and pre-imagine that. Just take a minute to set yourself there and imagine it going awesome. See it going great. See everybody loving your response. See your friends welcome you. See the energy good. And you're more likely to create that experience. And then every day as you do that, you, your, your subconscious starts realizing, hey, when I imagine something, it happens. So now when you try to envision something big, your subconscious helps you and says, wow, he's done everything else he can. He can probably do this and you'll start aiding yourself and actually believing you can do it and starting to engage in it and just shut everything else out of your life. Kill the TV. I don't even have one here. I'm in a Ukraine right now. I have an apartment here. I don't have a TV. You know, I get enough news and little people send me little crap on my Facebook messenger. Hey, did you see this video? You know, so I mean, I get the news I, and, I, and I get up to speed, but it's like you have to protect your mind and heart and attitude and realize before the woman before anything else, man is called to have ambition. And the woman is attracted when she smells the smoke of battle on him. And I want you to think of that visualization. That man who comes over the hill, he's just been engaged. And you know, like the guy in Black Hawk Down, the, that ranger who just came back in and he's going back in again. You know, he's in it. Versus the little guy, the water boy over there saying, you want a cup of water? You know, <laughs> I mean, the, you can smell the energy of a guy who's engaged in things in life versus those who are just thinking about it. So whatever it takes for you guys, you can live fully alive, fully engaged today by just going and trying and testing daily little things. You do your, your thank yous, you do your micro visualizations and plug in a YouTube video with one of those, um, uh, those, uh, motivational videos. Just type in inspirational videos on YouTube, motivational videos, pick ones five, 10 minutes long and just start every day plugging a little bit of that into rise you up. And you're going to find yourself becoming more like those you spend time with. So spend time with those guys and then plan your day. You know, if you're stuck at home right now or whenever you're watching this and you, <clears throat> you're plan your day only so that you own it, not be so other people suck your time first. You're not a slave to your schedule. It's you deciding what you want to have to make it a great day. And so I think those are the ways that guys today can 
can start charting forward and, they, and they're going to feel alive like they've never felt before. So get around good people, get good information coming into you and try things to stretch you. And you're going to have be a different person a year from now. That is fantastic advice. Boy, that's right there. If they took nothing else away from the show, that's just amazing. So tell our listeners how they can get more of you. I know you have a report on how to lead in crisis, which is at authenticman.com forward slash lead in crisis. Of course, the, the link will be in the description. Uh, mm -hmm. But are you on social media or your website? Just yeah. tell them where they can find you. I really uh, encourage guys to start there because um, if you get if you go get that uh, free PDF, it's half of my book for free. Really, um, it's twenty pages condensed. It's very illustrated. It's really it's a very cool read. I'm proud of it. Um, so that authenticman.com slash lead dash in dash crisis and um, get that and you'll get on my email list for authentic man. We're going to be launching an online magazine, authenticman.com coming up very soon. And it's going to be everything for men. You're going to be able to get, we're going to pull together. You don't have to go anywhere else. We're going to pull articles from the news. We're going to, we're going to bring podcasts together from many artists. We're going to have many, many contributors and associate publishers into it. It's going to be something that's going to be everything for guys, you know, from personal development to cars, cigars, you know, uh, women dating and, and just, um, for your growth, your business, your finances, your fitness, you know, and I'm a guy who, 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 who totally revolutionized my body. I used to be obese, 250 pounds at a five foot nine guy isn't a pretty sight. And so to me, it's like, there's so many things we want to do to help each other to live alive, to feel alive and just celebrate being men. because it's, it's awesome. If you can learn to love yourself, dude, It's awesome being a man. I hope women feel that way about being a woman. But guys, I mean, we're going to celebrate it and enjoy it and just be authentic and be real and be us. So please go get that PDF. Um, if you want to write to me, you can feel free to write me anytime. Mark at markedwarddavis.com. Um, or, or just please go get that PDF download and you'll be on our list. You'll get to hear about all the cool stuff coming up. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. This was a fantastic conversation. I feel like we barely scratch the surface there's so much we more have. <laughs> yeah by the way in, in closing i want to support you guys i love you guys i love the interview you did before i love being part of your lives i endorse everything you're doing you guys are real you're just you're fun you, you know to me I, i believe in holding the standard up so everybody can see what's possible and i think that you guys do that in a really delightful way and and i'm glad for all your listeners you guys have you guys have found a great home in this podcast to get some stuff that's going to nourish your soul and help you have a, a very happy and abundant life Uh, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we might have to have Mark on again because there's so, so much more we could talk about. But that really is actually more time than we normally allot to this podcast. But it was well worth it. Thank you, Mark, so much for coming on. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure entirely. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have. And we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>